it is time for your next photo assignment. So in this video, I want to talk about photo assignment number eight. Now, in the last photo assignment, we dealt with motion and we talked about how to represent motion within the context of a still image. So for this photo assignment, I'm going to do the complete opposite and we're going to be working with still life. Now, a still life image is an image that is produced of generally inanimate objects and they are simply studies and composition and lighting. Now, this is something that became very popular with the painters of the 16th century, though you can argue that it goes back further, but that's when it really became in vogue. And so a lot of these past master paintings that you see that are still lifes usually have some kind of table setting filled with fruit and game and breads. And that's kind of the typical classical image that we associate with the still life. But I want to put this into the context of photography and hopefully give you some examples and some inspiration that will shape the direction of what you want your work to go in. So that's what we're gonna do in this video. Photography examples of still life come at the very beginning. And I think this is really interesting because you have Louis Daguerre developing his experiments in France, and then you have Fox Talbot also doing the same thing at the same time, but with different processes in England. Louis Daguerre is typically who we associate with the daguerreotype, which was the first type of commercially produced photograph. But both of these photographers were very interesting to me because they dealt with still lifes. Now, Louis Daguerre, if you look at his early work, it resembles the old past master paintings. It's similar types of aesthetic, similar types of composition. It's obviously monochrome because we didn't have color at that point in photography. But he hearkens back to the past master paintings. Now, where it gets interesting is the work that Fox Talbot was doing. He was doing pictures that were basically shadow pictures. They did not require a camera to make. And we know these today as photograms, but basically by placing an object onto directly onto a sheet of paper, you can expose this to light and use chemicals to fix a, a set image into the paper. And so a lot of these early photograms that Fox Talbot was doing, I would actually argue they are still lifes. And they are very different than what we associate with the classic still life look of the table with the fruit and all that. Basically, these are very minimal and you have basically one, maybe two, maybe three objects. They're things like leaves, lace, um, just the most intimate objects that you find. And if you ever get a chance to actually see these, they have a lot of them at the Victorian Albert Museum in London, and there's also a museum on the property that Fox Talbot lived on in Laycock, uh, Laycock Abbey, where you can actually go see these and the little cameras that he used to produce certain things. Um, you know, the images I'm talking about are photograms, so these are done without a camera, but I think these are the earliest example and actually a radical departure in photography from the painting that came before it. And of course, as you know, photography spent years throughout history trying to gain acceptance into the art world, into museums and galleries, and a certain amount of validity and cred that went along with that. And I think it's really interesting to see Fox Talbot going against that grain early on. But I want to bring this up to the modern era. And one of my favorite photographers I've talked a lot about on this show is Irving Penn. And Irving Penn was a master of still life imagery. What is interesting about Penn is he had several different approaches that he would use to still lifes. He has kind of definitely an influence from the past master paintings, but these are in the context of the mid-century 1950s where you have a postmodern aesthetic that's going on. He was of the school of Alexei Brodovich and what was going on with the magazine that he was working for at that time. And so his still life images definitely have a modernist quality to them. And I think this is very important to note. They also crept into his commercial work, which I think is very bold and very daring. And not a lot of the very well-known photographers from this period would do this. And, you know, he worked for a magazine. So 
being a photographer who's very serious, taking everything seriously, you see still lives creeping into magazine articles on cooking. You see frozen vegetables. Uh, they're wonderful examples of what he was doing at that time. And then what's really interesting is the experimental personal work that Penn was doing in addition to this. There's a whole series on cigarette butts and they're these wonderful macro images that were challenging for him to produce. He found a way to do it. They're beautifully printed. And Penn's whole approach here is that in the classical sense, we normally associate still lives with things that are very beautiful, foods, a certain kind of place setting. And what he did was try to find things that we normally think of as discarded or not beautiful or trash. And a lot of times you refer to these as these trash pictures. There are things like another famous one is the found glove, or there's another one that's chewing gum on the sidewalk. And Penn is radically challenging the definition of what we consider to be a still life. Normally, in the classic sense, still life images are things of flowers, botanicals, fruits, foods, things that we consider to be of value. And Penn is sitting here photographing garbage in the street and challenging that notion of what a still life can be. And I think that's the important significance of what Penn offered to the art world and definitely the world of photography. There are other photographers throughout the 20th century who are well known for doing still lives as well. People like Robert Maplethorpe and his botanical series. Robert Maplethorpe's printer was Tom Burrell, who went on to have a pretty successful career of his own, and I think he's a fabulous photographer, mainly doing tabletop setting stuff, although there's some architectural work as well, but he really specialized in the still life. And a lot of these botanical images that Burrell was doing were done with a pinhole camera. So again, bringing another element in that you wouldn't expect in the classic photography instance of a still life, I think. Um, another more modern example of this would be Abelard Morel, who is another photographer I've mentioned quite a bit over the years. And Abelard Morel is fantastic. And I think that he comes at it from more of a conceptual direction, but challenging is once again what we can think of as a still life. There is a series that he did on books. Some of these images have kind of this antiquity kind of aesthetic to them of old dusty books in different sizes, juxtapositions, various studies. But then some of the images also take the actual content of the book, for instance, Alice in Wonderland, cut up the pages and the illustrations and then represent that in a photograph. And so I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it. He did another series on money. Again, something that you wouldn't associate with the aesthetic of of the traditional still life, but a way of actually showing you it can be something else and it can move into another direction. And I think that's really important. Another photographer who's worked a lot with the idea of doing still lifes would be Joel Peter Whitkin. Joel Peter Whitkin's work is often shocking, but I think that's what's interesting about the still life work that he produced. First of all, you see an enormous throwback to the 16th century past masters, not only in the tabletop setting with the fruit, but also even in the frame of the images. They're not exactly square photographs. You have the art at the top. They're, they harken back to early photography. But then you have this element of Hieronymus Bosch that comes in and the shocking disfigured body parts that kind of add a grotesqueness to what he was doing with still lifes. And Joel Peter Wicken definitely is a photographer who goes for the shock and awe, but I think this work is definitely significant and definitely worth looking at in that context. So that is a brief overview of where still life has been in photography. And obviously there are more examples and we're going to do some more videos on this and actually talk about it. I I want you guys to remember that at the core of all this, and go look at some of this work, at the core, yes, some of it is conceptual, particularly when you look at Penn's trash pictures or if you look at Abelard and Morel shooting money or books, it gets very conceptual. But these, in the end, are studies 
in composition and lighting. And it's very simple. It's a very zen thing with you and your camera and what is before you in the composition and you control all of the elements in the composition. And so as you start to think about what you want to do, I would encourage you to definitely think about the lighting element in this in both natural settings. Do you want to use window light or natural light, maybe outdoor lighting, or do you want to use artificial light with flashes and how do you want to design that? Because that's the cool thing about still lifes is you have control over every element of the picture. You're not working with a human being where you're trying to establish a relationship, you're trying to find a decisive moment, all that is off the table, no pun intended. What you're doing is you're trying to find a collection of objects where you can play with that composition and that lighting. So if you have any questions or thoughts on any of this, please leave me a comment below. And as always, if you've enjoyed this video, please remember to like it, share it, subscribe to The Art of Photography for more videos. Lots of stuff coming up. I will see you in the next video. Until then, later.